Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is Andrea Fabri, Managing Director for Branding Business in New York City. Uh, today, uh, I had the pleasure of having a, a really interesting conversation with George Ravitch. George is a veteran of the fintech and insurance tech industries. He's been a CMO of five industry-leading companies such as Fantech, Cinecron, and Ernix, just to mention a few. Uh, during his 25, more than 25 years uh, as a market leader, he has become known as an innovator and a subject matter experts on transaction banking, predictive analytics, and digital transformation. He also now leads his own marketing consulting firm that is focused on building the marketing foundations for high growth companies, as well as uh, developing uh, marketing function in preparation for an investment exit. Uh, George, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, thanks for having me, it's a pleasure. All right, George. Today, the focus of this podcast is really about marketing and particularly marketing uh, as a means to assist and to help companies that are in the ages, in the early stages of their growth. So no doubt, uh, COVID-19 has created a very challenging environment for businesses of all sizes. Um, but as they say, right, out of crisis, there is always uh, opportunity. There are always opportunities, and there are always new leaders that emerge. And these new leaders are often uh, young startups or companies that have maybe been in business five years, six years, and they see opportunities in disruptions. They do that because they have the agility, and maybe they have a new value proposition that quickly gains traction in the marketplace. Now, based on my experience, when I think of most of these young companies trying to break through and accelerate their growth curve and take advantage of the opportunity, the focus, though, tends to always be on product, always on the technology, always on meeting, uh, always on sales to meet monthly revenue targets. And marketing and branding are seen as sort of either an expensive uh, activity. You know, you hear always comments, we're not Geico or we're not Chase, depending on the industry. And often seen or confined to collateral website trade shows, although, you know, you wonder what happens to trade shows after this crisis. So my first question to you is, is this the right way of seeing marketing? Are young or startups or companies in the early, early stages of growth misinterpreting what marketing is and how it can really help them grow? Okay, great first question. Uh, I would say that young companies who look at Geico and other large companies that spend billions of dollars on advertising and marketing, they're, they're not looking in the right places uh, to figure out what to do with marketing. Uh, certainly, marketing is needed for young companies uh, as well as all companies, but there are different kinds of marketing for different kinds of companies. The companies that I consult with, that I help, that I work with, what we start with is what I would call foundational marketing, marketing that really defines the company, what its goals and mission is, as well as the products that they're selling. Uh, oftentimes one product. And I think where most small companies need to, to start 
is to make sure that that's the very best that it could possibly be, that it's single-minded, it's focused, it's sharp, and that everything else that they do after that can be built on that. I often tell my clients that if the foundational marketing, if the company positioning, if the product positioning is not right, none of their marketing can be right because, again, that's foundational. So I think that there are uh, that's where young companies should put their focus on, and, and after that, uh, they can build upon that, and hopefully one day they can become a Geico and spend billions. Yeah, you're right. Where do you think that mentality comes from, that way of seeing marketing come from? Is, is that something that uh, maybe the industry or, the, or, or professionals have sort of created in a way? What, what is that? Well, I think that marketing has really changed over the last 10, 15 years. It used to be, and as you said earlier, I'm a, quite a veteran. I've been a CMO of five companies. And I would say 10 years ago, the role of marketing was to make the company look good. And what I mean by that is have a good website, uh, look good at a trade show, uh, have good-looking collateral materials, etc. And that was really the role of marketing, uh, public relations. Today, that's quite different. Today, Marketing is very much in the revenue stream, and I think today's investors in small companies, startups, they're expecting that marketing is building not only a brand but the long-term pipeline for the company. And I would say that in the in investor presentations, roadshows that I've been in, and the board meetings that I've been in, the role of marketing now is is to supercharge the sales engine, meaning that the salespeople are extremely efficient. They're not wasting their time with cold calling and, and searching for business. Uh, they're expecting marketing to deliver highly qualified or marketing qualified leads so that they are closing more business. So if you look at the formulas that private equity and venture cap investors have, they almost expect that what was maybe a sales quota of a million or two million dollars in the, in the enterprise uh, software business, that's now 50% more than that, and that is the way you get to those hockey stick growth curves that the uh, the investors are expecting. And again, I think that the only way it can be done is by having effective marketing programs that are driving that demand and, and, and making the sales team efficient. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is so true what you said about marketing, how much marketing has changed. Oftentimes, it's something that you and I have spoken in the past. What I noticed, uh, whether regardless of the size of the company, is this oftentimes this disconnect between sales and marketing. I think you you called it for me the kiss of death when marketing is not well connected with sales. And you you mentioned that the role of marketing is supercharging sales. So, what do you think are some of the key activities or, or key steps that marketing has to take in order to making sure that they are constantly connected with sales and how do they show their value? A lot of times marketing and sales don't necessarily have the same objectives. Uh, they're almost acting like two separate pillars of the business. Oftentimes I think a marketing department which is disconnected is is mostly concerned about the brand and creating a great brand and and not understanding how to use that as part of the selling messaging i would say that 
having dealt with so many different sales teams, it's really important to be partners. I think that's really now a program. It's got a name. It's called account-based marketing, where although it's specific, it means something very specific, where sales and marketing are working together on a, a small number of targeted accounts. The two need to work together as a team. Uh, no doubt about it, and, and need to understand that there's similar goals. As I was mentioning before, today in this day and age, the marketing function is so connected to sales. It, it's so much more than just building a great brand and, and looking great. For example, let me just explain uh, what I mean. Um, I just finished an assignment with a company that was based in Nashville, and the situation there was that the company was going to be sold by its major investors, but the marketing function was really in total chaos. And they needed someone to come in and fix the marketing, build a plan, and then be part of the management team that went on the investor roadshow. And like you were saying earlier, the investors first looked at engineer, the head of engineering, to see what the products were and did they make sense and did they work. And then they looked at the salesperson to see, is there a sales pipeline? Does anyone buy this stuff? And then they looked at the marketing person to see what that long-term growth curve was uh, because without it, there, that growth curve was not going to be the, the hockey stick shape that they were looking for. So marketing was part of that presentation and it was integral into the sale of the company. So my point is just that marketing really is part of the management, the revenue stream of the of the company, which is whereas before it was more about branding and, and uh, creating an image uh, for the company. Now I think most CMOs have very very ha- have goals that are very tied into the overall health of the business. Yeah, which is, of course has made the role of a CEO a CMO a lot more complicated because tied to that now. That means being present at each stage of the sales cycle with the right content, with the right solution, with the right message, with the right tool, or whatever that means. Um, and so I, I've noticed over the years that the CMO has increasingly become quite uh, critical to shaping and influencing technology decisions that previously were certainly is, the exclusive domain of uh, a CIO, for example, or a chief technology officer. So from that perspective, you know, when you look at the entire sales cycle, which is something that you had to in the past, uh, you know, for all the, the different companies you had, you, you've been a CMO for, uh, for, when you look at the entire sales cycle, is there um, an infrastructure or are there, say, uh, specific solutions that you think a young company, a company that's been around five, six years that suddenly has a great opportunity should consider to adopt um, in order to being uh, present in the different phases of the sales cycle and being a driver of growth and not just relying specifically on just products and the technologies and features. And then hopefully salespeople will do their job. For sure. There's technology available that's very affordable. I recommend that companies from the very beginning get started on that. Companies like um, MailChimp, and constant contact. A lot of companies use them. Those used to be very simply email software, but now they've become really full-featured marketing automation systems. Maybe not to the level of the very expensive systems like HubSpot or Marketo, which are really designed for much, large, much larger companies, but 
they have enough there to get started. And, and as you grow, you can add features to that, those types of software, or you can grow into the bigger systems. But what's important is to get started immediately or else you're, you're going to be behind the ball from the beginning. And, and that's not a good, a good thing to do. And it, it, there just never seems to be a good time to catch up. Uh, so you really want to use some of these, some of the software that's easy to install, easy to use, um, uh, and can be part of the process of growing the business. And it's hard not, it's hard to grow the business, especially at the rate what the investors are expecting without those kind of software. As I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the expectations are sort of built into the, into the plan if you're getting investor money. And, um, in terms of the kinds of programs that these, or the kinds of marketing programs that these kinds of software allow you to do, without these kinds of this kind of infrastructure behind you, you really cannot manage really well-featured types of programs. What I always like to do with the companies I work with is create omni-channel type of marketing programs. Let me just take a moment and explain what I mean. I think the right way to approach marketing for a a young company, actually any company, is content-based marketing, which is really sort of the underpinning of digital marketing to get today. And we all know what that is. If you're in the B2B space for sure, you know that you, you write something, whether it's a blog or whether it's a report or whatever the case may be, and then you use that in marketing and, and using that to get leads because people want this kind of information. And just like everything else in a competitive marketplace, there's an arms race to have better and better content. And, and now it's at a point where there really is just overload. There's just It's so competitive that it's very hard to get anybody's attention. My way of addressing that is by doing uh, research, industry research that's relating to the product message that I want to deliver. Use that to write a, a report and, and use that in an omni-channel campaign. The reason why I say research is because if you're, if you're doing lead generation, meaning you're looking for people that don't know who you are, then your opinion uh, doesn't really matter. Who cares what George has to say if, he doesn't, if they don't know what George is uh, uh, representing, he doesn't know the person or the company. So the point being that data and information, facts and figures, that's what people are usually drawn to, whether it be in social marketing or, or other kinds of digital marketing. So to me, that kind of information is what you use in a lead generation campaign. And then what's also nice about that is because you have really found some thought leadership and you have found some insight, hopefully, that the industry is very interested in, and again, it connects to what you're trying to sell, you're able to turn that into a PR campaign, a social campaign, a digital campaign, speaking opportunities. In every marketing channel that you use, you can repurpose the content that you're creating to a full-featured marketing campaign. These things are, what I'm describing, are, are very affordable. It doesn't take very much money or time, for that matter, to do this. I mean, I did it for my own business just a few weeks ago. I fielded a survey about marketing budgets and marketing program performance uh, during the COVID crisis, and um, I've got a lot of mileage out of that campaign, out of that research that I did, which I turned into a report in social marketing, and like I was explaining it, explaining an omni-channel mm -hmm. campaign. This is how I think smaller companies should address it. And the only way to ac actually effectively do that and, and market that kind of content is with some automation. And whether it's for social or if it's for email or, or, um, or 
CRM type of software, you, you do need those kinds of systems behind you to do an effective job. Yeah, there is no doubt in my mind that content has become the brand currency. In this day and age, it's really what allows any business to stand out. You need to have a point of view to be able to be interesting and to cut through the the noise. I have two follow-up questions to what you just stated, though. You, I'm sure you've been, uh, particularly in your position as a, a consultant, um, advising you know, uh, young startups. I've noticed that there is always, in my experience anyway, this blind belief in the power of the technology because maybe the technology has specific features that might be unique in the specific category of, uh, uh, you know, uh, or industry that, that that solution or technology solution is intended for. I was wondering, how do you convince uh, a startup that uh, it's not about features, it's not about the technology, it's about the messaging, it's about the brand, it's about creating a different story? How do you, you know, move the conversation from from technology to brand? What has worked for you in the past? Yeah, you know, this is the area where I spend the most time with uh, young companies because. Normally, a, a young company is started by an engineer or a salesperson. Of course, other kinds of people with different kinds of backgrounds start companies. But I'm just saying, in the, I mostly deal with tech companies, and, and that's who mm-hmm. really are starting these companies. And oftentimes, they really do not understand the whole branding messaging aspect of their business. And I have to explain to them how important the messaging is. That earlier, I know, if you don't get that right, nothing else will be right. You need to take the features that you have in your product that you've worked so hard to develop and select them and sort of put them out on a, on a table and almost like a jigsaw puzzle, fit them together. And when you do that, you really only have the opportunity to have three or four big features that are really going to, uh, that you're going to market. And even with beyond that, you really have an opportunity to market one big idea. And let me explain what I mean, because I've done this so many times. It's very important that you position the product around a major feature, and I feel it's very important that you brand that feature. It's it's not only me; it's the big guys. I mean, Apple when they sell an iPhone, uh, they sell they brand the feature um, of a, of their new um, of the, of an important uh, feature of their uh, of their phone. For instance, the uh, the iPhone 11 had a branded camera feature, the Smart HDR. Sony has done that with televisions. Even Yeti has done that with their their new cup that has a special lock uh, so Mm -hmm. the contents don't fall out. But the point is that by branding a feature, you're really able to stand out and and get people focused on what it is that makes you different. And I think that's the biggest problem that small companies, the young companies have with the messaging around them. They, They oftentimes can tell you, Every feature that they have, what every click uh, of every mouse does, but they can't necessarily describe succinctly why someone should buy this and why it will make their business better. I I think people who are undertaking this for the first time need to understand that everything that's out there in the world, anything that you have come up with, someone already has. And what you need to do is explain to them why what you have is a breakthrough and is so much better than what they already own. To do that, I think having a branded key feature is the way that you focus people in on 
what it is that's different. And, and that one branded feature can mean lots of different things. It could be an entire story. And the key is to, to focus in on that one feature in the, the marketing messaging and then leave all the other features uh, for the two-hour meeting in, in someone's office when you get to explain every last feature that you've come up with. So I think that it's important that, that young companies do this branded feature concept that they only really talk about three or four uh, features overall and understand that the, the long discussion of all the things that, that your, your product does really well gets saved for a, a long meeting. It's so true, and sometimes it doesn't have to be a feature. Sometimes is a, a different way of articulating something the company does, um, because maybe it could be um, a new way of uh, achieving certain things. Uh, uh, you know, the, depending on where the innovation is. But it's so true. How many times I've been in conversations with, uh, particularly uh, sort of early stage companies that believe that they have to communicate at everything that they're great uh, uh, that makes their solution great in one slide. How many times have you seen those slides that you need a magnifying glass to, <laughs> to look at the um, the small uh, print? And uh, you know, humans, uh, we we really are all about storytelling. Uh, that's what stands out. That's what we remember. So as you, I think, correctly say, just focus on one thing, build a story around, and that's what it means also building, building a brand. All right, we are approaching the, uh, the end of this uh, uh, very, very interesting conversation. If you look at the, the stage of things right now, uh, and uh, there's certainly, there are certainly signs of businesses that are beginning to look ahead. They're going from reacting to the chaos to actually starting to plan ahead for the future. Uh, what are you know, top two, three key suggestions that you would like to pass on to early stage companies in particular uh, as they look ahead so that they can they can have a shot at uh, continuing to grow their business. Uh, you know, they have been through three, four months of really hardship. You know, are there two, three tips, or if you will, um, uh, that you would like to pass on? Sure. Well, what's happened to all of us in the last three months has delivered some big changes in the marketplace. Some of them will stick and some of them will just uh, be fleeting, uh, and we'll go back to normal. But no doubt about it, the trend toward digital marketing has been strong for a long time, and th the last three months has given a kick in the pants to digital transformation. And so I think that one thing for sure, people are not going to as many trade shows, and they've got that money, and that should be funding additional digital marketing of one kind or another, because through it all, digital was able to deliver the message and deliver the results. So that's that's certainly an area that I think should be focused on. Just redouble, whether it's a new kind of webinar, because that's very popular now. And, and again, there's going to be lots of competition, like with the, the written word. Also, what I mentioned earlier, the account-based marketing, especially for young companies, uh, at a time when it's really business is going to be tough, working sales and marketing together on a, a focused number of accounts, a small number of accounts, where there really is a high level of customization of messaging to some key accounts, where you can land a couple of really big marquee accounts is really important, I think. So those two areas, I think, if companies focus on them, that's a good 
strategy for the near term. All right, George. Uh, thanks so much for your time today, and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure to be here with you.